Okay, so today we'll continue with First uh, Timothy chapter five, and it touches upon a few things. Uh, it starts with the uh, church family in terms of how we should interact uh, within the church family. Then the main focus uh, is on widows. Then it talks about elders and how they should be disciplined. And there is one verse uh, about wine that may be controversial at sometimes, and it ends with with the justice of God that will always happen. So this is where we ended uh, last week in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. And that's an important verse uh, where Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, take heed or pay attention unto thyself and unto the doctrine uh, continue in them. And those are the instructions uh, that are also given to us uh, that we need to uh, not only pay attention to the sound doctrine or the sound teachings uh, that we see in the Bible, but we also need to uh, continue in them. We need to continue to apply them in our lives so that uh, we will be blessed. And in these chapters, uh, Paul has already <coughs> uh, taught Timothy many things in the three chap four chapters that we have seen uh, in terms of how we should pray for those who are in authority. And he uh, spoke about how to conduct ourselves uh, in a church uh, setting. Uh, what should be the dress code, uh, what should be the qualification for elders and deacons. And he also talked about last week uh, how Timothy should uh, conduct uh, himself uh, in his conversation, uh, in his love, in his faithfulness, uh, in his purity, and overall. So all of these teachings, uh, Paul is wrapping it up uh, under the, uh, we can say under the sound doctrine or sound teachings. And he wants to make sure that we are faithful uh, to the sound doctrine and we are faithful to the true gospel uh, that has been preached to us. So we'll start with uh, verses one and two, uh, where Paul briefly talks about uh, the relationship uh, among believers uh, in a church setting. Yeah, so here in these two verses, uh, Paul covers uh, all the adults uh, that Timothy will uh, interact with. And those are the adults that we also interact with uh, in a church uh, setting. So speaking of older men, uh, in terms of age, uh, he says that we need to respect uh, them. Uh, we need to treat them as fathers, and we should not rebuke uh, those who are older than us. And we also need to be patient because when we are dealing with older people, they may have uh, many limitations uh, due to different reasons. It could be physical reasons. It could be technology reasons, whatever it is, uh, we need to be patient. And in Leviticus 19.32, it says, <clears throat> Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, which is a reference uh, to the older men, and you should honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. And going ahead, <clears throat> it speaks about uh, elder women. Uh, we need to treat them as mothers. Uh, we need to, so we need to show them respect. Uh, honor, uh, appreciation, and love, uh, just like we would extend uh, to our own mothers. And younger men that Timothy will come across, uh, they should be treated as brothers. And younger women or people his age or around his age, uh, they should be treated uh, as sisters uh, with all purity. So those are things that would also apply to us uh, because those are the people or adults uh, that we are dealing with uh, in the church. But when it comes to church, uh, we can say that there is one uh, fundamental principle uh, that should guide all the relationships uh, that we have in church, 
and the foundation should be love. And when we go to John 13, 35, it says, by this uh, shall all men know that ye are my disciples, uh, if ye love uh, one another. And that we always say that we are followers of Lord Jesus Christ. We always say that we are disciples of Lord Jesus Christ. And even when we take part in the communion, uh, the communion was uh, set up by the Lord uh, for his uh, disciples. And one of the defining uh, feature of a disciple or one way to establish that we are his disciples uh, is by showing love uh, to those uh, in the church or the people that we interact with. And the next section, verses 3 to 16, uh, is a long section on how to treat uh, widows uh, in church. So it speaks about why we should give uh, special attention to widows and what should be the responsibility of church uh, towards the widows and what kind of counsel we can give uh, to those uh, who lose their husbands uh, at a young age. So we'll just read uh, 3 to 10 for now, then go further later on. Okay, so in verses 3 to 16, uh, Paul is giving some practical uh, instructions uh, to Timothy, uh, again, in a church setting to identify uh, who the true widows are and what should be the responsibility of the church uh, towards the widows. So uh, we see uh, both in the Old and the New Testament uh, that care and honor uh, should be given to the widows. Uh, as we read in Exodus 22:22, uh, 22, 22, you shall not afflict uh, any widow or fatherless child. In Isaiah 1:17, it says, uh, plead uh, for the widow, widows. And James uh, 1:27 says, a pure religion and undefiled before God and father is this. Uh, to visit uh, the fatherless and widows uh, in their affliction. So we see that both in the Old, Test Old and New Testament, uh, a special place uh, is given to the widows, and, and for a good reason, because uh, oftentimes the widows, uh, they may not have a steady source of income, and if they are old, uh, they may not be able to work, or they may have some health issues, and uh, if they don't have any family members, or if they don't have any children uh, to take care of them, uh, then we need to pay attention to them. So both in the Old and New Testament, uh, we see that there is support uh, to pay attention to the widows uh, who are within the church. And in verses uh, 4, 8, and 16, uh, it talks about uh, how to deal with widows who already have family members. So we already read uh, verses 4 and 8. Uh, in verse 16, it says, uh, if any man or widow that believeth have widows, uh, let them have children, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows uh, indeed. So based on verses 4, 8, and 16, uh, we can say that widows uh, who have family members, uh, they should not uh, expect uh, support from church. And the children or the family members, uh, they should take care of the widows uh, in their family. And that is something uh, that is good. Uh, that is something that is pleasing uh, to the Lord. And we can also say that is a commandment of the Lord that we need to obey. Uh, so if there are children or family members, uh, they should take care of the widows. And it goes on to say that uh, if someone uh, rejects a widow uh, within their own family, uh, then they are worse than an infidel or they are worse than an unbeliever. 
So here the Lord is uh, making a comparison, or Paul is mentioning, that uh, even the unbelievers, uh, they take care of widows uh, in their own family. So if a believer uh, is uh, walking away from that responsibility, then in that sense, uh, he would be worse than an unbeliever. And in verses uh, 5 and 6, uh, Paul makes a distinction uh, between widows uh, who are living, or we can say they are real uh, widows, and dead uh, widows. So we'll talk more about this in the next slide, but uh, he's talking about that the church uh, should be taking care of widows uh, who are truly widows or who are real widows. So they are the ones who are desolate and trust in God, and they are living a life of prayer uh, for the church. And a good example is uh, Anna, the prophet, prophetess in Luke 2.36. Uh, it says there was also a prophet and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, uh, fasting and praying. So here we have a good example of a widow. Uh, who is uh, in the church, and she is serving the church uh, through her prayers. So Paul is uh, contrasting a real widow or a living widow with a dead widow, and he says uh, the one who is dead uh, is a widow who is living in pleasure or she living in sinful lifestyle. And for a dead widow, uh, we don't need to take care of them. Uh, she needs the gospel and not the money. So she needs to be counseled and brought back uh, to the Lord. So Bible reminds us that uh, if we don't have Christ uh, in our lives, uh, we are all dead, as we read in Ephesians 2.1. But the main focus of Paul uh, in the subsequent verses is to define who the real widow is, uh, who should be taken care of uh, by the church. So, uh, in verse 3 and 5, he talks about real widows, and he gives some qualities, as he identifies some ways uh, to recognize the real widows. So based on what we read from verses 4, 8, and 16, uh, firstly, a real widow would be one who does not have uh, any family members. So if she's alone, then that would qualify her. And based on what we read in verse 6, uh, she should not be living in sin. And verse 9 says uh, she should be an older widow. And here it sets the age as over 60. So the idea is that if she is a young widow, uh, then she can either work and earn her living, or she can remarry and be supported uh, in that way. And Paul also writes that the widow should have a reputation for good works uh, in verse 10. Uh, in terms of raising children, in terms of hospitality, uh, taking care of saints and taking care of the sick and the afflicted. So here again, the reasoning is that when the widow was young and when she was healthy, uh, she was uh, she was an active member in the church. She was, she was contributing to the church. Uh, she was serving the church. And now that she is uh, in need and she's a widow and she's alone, uh, she should be taken care of uh, by the church. So when we look at these uh, principles of taking care of the church, uh, we can extend the same principle to uh, to real uh, spinsters and those who are really poor uh, in church. So the church uh, should be a place of compassion. Uh, the church should be a place of love. 
Uh, the church should be a place uh, where people are supported uh, when they come to the church, uh, not only spiritually, but also in practical ways. So in Galatians 6.10, it says, As we have therefore uh, opportunity, uh, let us do good unto all men, uh, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So just by reading these verses, uh, we cannot say that the church has to take care of uh, only the widows. Uh, we can make the argument or we can extend the argument uh, that the church should take care of uh, everyone who is in need or who can be defined to be really in need. And in verses 11 to 16, uh, it speaks about the younger widows and how we should respond to them. So here again, uh, Paul is giving some uh, practical advice uh, to widows or young women who might have lost their husband at a young age. Uh, his, his advice is that they should get married uh, because if they don't do that, uh, there is a likelihood that they will fall into sin or they would be distracted or they would be occupied with the wrong things. Uh, especially if they're not working, then they would be using their time uh, in a non-profitable way. So here he tells them, uh, he gives them advice uh, that uh, they should be encouraged uh, to remarry. And we saw last week that forbidding the widows to marry uh, is not biblical. So especially when they are young, uh, we should counsel them to get married so that they can continue and have a productive life. So it speaks about remarrying and raising children and guiding the house. And they can also work and support the family. And they should continue in their journey of faith. And just because they lost their husband does not mean that they should go back on their faith or they should not become bitter uh, against God because God has a purpose uh, in every experience that we go through. So even if we lose our spouse, uh, even that is part of God's plan. So we should not give up on our faith, but we should continue in faith and godliness. And if they remain uh, single, uh, it is quite possible that they would uh, waste their time uh, being lazy or they would end up gossiping or going from home to home, as Paul says. So it's better for them to get married and to set up a house and to take care of their children and do ministry that way. And they should not give reason to anyone to question their testimony. So they need to live a blameless life. Uh, even if they choose not to get married, uh, they should be occupied with the right things. So for younger widows, uh, Paul's counsel is that we need to give them the right counsel and we should not get caught up in providing them support for the lifetime, but rather we should point them in the direction of marriage and direction of And 17 through 22, uh, Paul speaks about uh, treating elders, uh, especially in a case uh, if there is uh, any sin in the life of elder, how it should be accounted for, and how we should honor them uh, if they are true elders. Yes, so these verses 17 through 22, uh, he's speaking about the double honor that should be given to the elders who rule well, and the elders who do not rule well, uh, he speaks about uh, disciplining them. Uh, then he concludes about laying on of hands, which should not be done in a hasty manner. So when he's speaking about the double honor and continuing on the same theme, uh, where he's talking about widows and how they should be taken care of, 
if they do not have any support. So we can extend the argument uh, even to the elders who are taking care of the church that when he's speaking about double honor, uh, if they are full-time ministers and if they are truly in need, uh, then the church uh, should take care of their financial needs. Uh, just like in the temple, the priests were taken care of uh, through the sacrifices uh, that were brought uh, by the people. And the second aspect of double honor could be simply the respect uh, that we give the elders uh, who are ruling well and who are laboring uh, for the church or laboring for the kingdom. So you speak about uh, respect also in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 12 through 13, uh, where it says, Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them uh, very highly in love uh, for their work's sake. So we can say that uh, anyone who's serving the Lord uh, in the local church or in the Christian community, uh, we need to respect them. So that would be one part of the honor. And the second part where Paul uh, brings a scripture uh, from Deuteronomy and also from Luke chapter 10, where he speaks about that anyone who works uh, needs to be rewarded or anyone who works is worthy of his labor. So it speaks about the ox uh, should not be deprived uh, of its uh, share of grain. Uh, in the same way, Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 10, 7 says, those who are working uh, in his vineyard uh, should be given uh, the due share or the due uh, reward. So at the same time, we know that pastors and elders uh, they should not be motivated to do ministry for money. So we oftentimes see that many uh, preachers, uh, they might be saying that they are serving the Lord, but, but their motive may be uh, looking at the ministry as a profession uh, where they can make money or they can gain status and reputation and so on. So only those who are serving the Lord faithfully, uh, here Paul says, those who rule well, uh, they should be uh, worthy of double honor. And in verse 19 and 20, it speaks about uh, accusing elders. So a general rule, uh, we should not uh, entertain rumors or gossip or any kind of accusation uh, against elders. And we know that people who are in leadership, they are always uh, criticized uh, for different things. But we should not be part of that gossip or we should not be part of that rumor. So we see that uh, even in work setting that people might be oftentimes complaining uh, about their bosses or about their leaders. But as believers, uh, we should not contribute uh, to that gossip. Uh, we should not contribute uh, to that rumor, uh, especially if the accusation is false. So we need to investigate uh, if the accusation is true. And Paul also is consistent in his teachings. Uh, where there should be two or three witnesses uh, before we bring any accusation. So he speaks about how to respond uh, if a pastor or elder uh, is found guilty of sin. So here he recommends uh, an extreme measure uh, where he speaks about public uh, rebuke. Uh, them that sin, uh, rebuke uh, before all that others may also fear. So here Paul is uh, recommending a public rebuke so that it is like a public shame so that it will also deter others 
from committing uh, similar sins. But at the same time, uh, it may be advised uh, in situations, uh, even as we read in 1 Corinthians, when people make mistakes, uh, it may be good to first uh, confront them directly uh, before making it public. But no matter what we do, uh, we need to do it uh, prayerfully and we need to do it uh, based on facts and based on two or three witnesses. So that's why he says, uh, do not be partial or biased. So any judgment that we make or any conclusion that we reach uh, should be based uh, on the word of God. Uh, it should be based on something that is objective. Uh, it is not something that is based on our personal emotions or based on our personal biases. So it is important that just like the congregation, uh, he is held accountable uh, for their actions and their conduct. Uh, in the same way, the elders and those who are in leadership, uh, they should also be held accountable. And they are obviously accountable to the Lord, but they're also accountable to the church, which could be the oversight, or it could be the co-workers, or it could be the congregation, where we are two or three witnesses. So that is why uh, it is good to have a setting where there is a shared uh, leadership so that uh, one person can hold the other person accountable. But if there is only one person at the top, then oftentimes we see that a lot of abuse uh, takes place that as we have seen in many uh, Catholic churches and even in Protestant churches, if there is only one person running the entire thing, there would be a lot of abuse. But if the elders or the deacons, if they are faithfully following the Lord and they are boldly proclaiming the sound doctrine, then they should not be afraid of accusations or criticisms uh, from the congregation or the elders. So at the end of the day, uh, all of us are accountable to the Lord. And as Paul says, uh, it is better to obey God than to please men. So we should always be faithful uh, to the revealed uh, word of God. And we should not feel that uh, we have to address uh, every accusation or every criticism. So we need to confront uh, the sin of elders because the testimony of the local church uh, is very precious and it should not be uh, tainted by corrupt uh, elders. And secondly, the glory of church, uh, which is the bride of Christ, uh, should not be compromised or there should not be any tarnish on the bride of Christ, because that's a glorious thing that the Lord has created as a church, and an elder should not spoil uh, that testimony. And also, as we've been warned uh, several times, and even in 1 Timothy, that in the last days, uh, many false teachers will come, and they will come as elders, they will come as pastors, they will come as teachers, and they will try to uh, take the congregation away from the Lord, so for that reason, we need to be careful. Uh, we should be on guard. And when we see uh, corrupt, uh, corruption creep uh, into the churches, uh, we should hold the leadership accountable. And it's a general principle in the scriptures that uh, unrepented sin must always be dealt with. So uh, people will always make mistakes and we need to correct them. But if they continue in the path of sin, uh, then... Uh, Paul always recommends that there should be some severe uh, correction or a severe discipline uh, if that sin continues uh, for an extended time. 
And the last reason could be simply to restore uh, fallen elders. So the idea is always to restore uh, people. Uh, we don't want to condemn people. So in the spirit of love, at the end of the day, when people are going astray, uh, we need to recognize them and we need to restore them uh, in the spirit of love. And we can also say that depending on the nature of accusation, uh, the elder may or may not continue in leadership and fellowship in that church. But also, in some cases, the elders may return and they may resume the ministry uh, after some time. So all of these are difficult uh, issues, but obviously uh, all of it should be done uh, in the spirit of prayer and there should be guidance of the Holy Spirit and there should be wisdom that we can take uh, from the Word of God uh, to make the right uh, decisions. Verse 22 is connected to the previous section where it speaks about laying on of hands. It says, lay hands uh, suddenly on no man. So many mistakes can happen in churches uh, when we appoint uh, people to ministry uh, very quickly or hastily uh, without praying about it or without, without seeking the guidance of the Lord. And when that happens, uh, many of the mistakes will happen and sins will creep uh, into churches. So that is why Paul is uh, advising Timothy that no one should be ordained uh, hastily. So people should not be ordained uh, unless we have a clear, clear guidance uh, from the Lord and we can be sure that God is calling them uh, for ministry uh, in a specific area. And he goes on to say that there should be purity of thoughts and actions and obviously, that's important for those, to those who are called to ministry. And Paul reminded that to Timothy uh, also in chapter 4. And there's one verse uh, about wine, which sometimes gets uh, controversial, or people use that uh, for different reasons. So, we'll just, uh, so what is the recommended uh, daily dosage for wine? So in verse 23, it says, uh, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine own infirmities or sickness. So here Paul is uh, telling Timothy that he needs to drink uh, a little bit of wine uh, because looks like uh, Timothy is not keeping good health. And Paul feels uh, drinking wine uh, would be a good uh, solution. Uh, it would be good for his health. So rather than drinking water, which may be unfiltered or it may not be healthy, uh, he feels that a fermented wine would be better for his wealth, for his health. So it's quite possible that Timothy has reservations uh, about drinking wine, or he may feel that it is not the right thing to do. So Paul is uh, encouraging him uh, in this situation, since uh, Timothy is not feeling well, uh, he feels uh, drinking wine uh, would be a good Thing for him. So here uh, it is clear that Paul is recommending the use of wine uh, as a medicine uh, in that context, uh, in that uh, period uh, for wine. So we also read uh, in this verse uh, there should be emphasis on little wine. So Paul is not telling Timothy that he should uh, consume a lot of wine. So he's simply saying drink a little bit of wine. So the emphasis uh, is definitely on moderation. So as we read, uh, uh, different articles keep coming up uh, on the benefits of drinking wine, maybe drinking one glass a day or two glasses a day, whatever it is. 
And oftentimes uh, it is said that there might be some health benefits uh, to drinking wine uh, in a moderate uh, consumption. But today, I think we have many other alternatives uh, that we can use uh, to improve our health or our focus is on health, then wine is not the only option. Uh, we can look at many options uh, to improve our health. So what should be our recommendation on daily dosage? Should it be one ounce, two ounce, three ounce? I would say zero ounce. So we would say that uh, at Bethany and also in many other uh, conservative churches, uh, they would recommend uh, abstaining from wine. Uh, even though in many churches, uh, drinking wine may be common or it may be, it may not be uh, spoken against, uh, but at least in our settings, uh, we recommend uh, abstaining from wine. And the reason uh, is quite simple because uh, every addict, uh, they always start uh, with a sip of wine. So they might have taken wine in a social setting, or they might have taken wine just uh, out of curiosity, but slowly uh, it can become an addiction. Or even if you're taking wine for health reasons, because that's what you're reading in the press, that drinking wine is good for health, uh, potentially it can become an addiction. So that is the danger. And as believers, uh, we need to preserve our spiritual health. And that is, uh, very important. Uh, so anything that is going to become a barrier or anything that can lead us in the wrong direction, uh, we should avoid. So there is no reason to risk uh, our spiritual health and we should not try to justify uh, drinking uh, for health reasons or social reasons or any other reason because the dangers uh, outweigh the benefits that we can potentially get. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, uh, Paul reminds us that we need to abstain from all uh, appearances of evil. So Paul is uh, essentially giving us advice that we need to stay away from anything that even looks like evil. Uh, we should simply walk away, uh, even though it may not be a sin uh, in its uh, original face. Uh, we should uh, try to stay away from it. Uh, we should completely abstain from it. The, this section on Proverbs uh, 23 is a good section to read uh, about wine. Uh, it speaks about the danger of wine. Uh, it speaks about how taking a sip uh, can become an addiction and how at the end uh, it will destroy our lives. Yeah, so we're not going to meditate upon it on the interest of time, but you can go back and read. Uh, essentially, it speaks about the danger of uh, wine. So, but we also know that Christ uh, offers uh, forgiveness and he offers uh, restoration to alcohol addicts. And if that is the case, uh, as a church, uh, we should not condemn uh, those who are addicted. Uh, instead, uh, we should bring them back uh, to the Lord and we should bring them back on the path of restoration uh, through love and through the right uh, counsel. To conclude with this, uh, verses 24 and 25. It speaks about the timing of judgment. Okay, so it speaks about the timing of judgment in good things and bad things. Uh, in some cases, the justice is done uh, at the right time. And in some cases, we see that the justice is done later on. But we know that God is uh, just, so he will always uh, uh, take care of things uh, at the right time. So, 
So God is just, so he will deal with the sins of elders and he will also deal with the sins of uh, other believers. So here Paul is reminding that some sins are evident, uh, some sins are uh, seen by publicly, or they are easily uh, seen. And if that is the case, uh, it's quite possible that the Lord will judge uh, through private uh, chastisement. Or as we read earlier, there could be a public uh, discipline for sins uh, that are evident. But there are some sins uh, that could be uh, secret sins, that could be hidden sins, uh, where Paul is saying that those sins will also be judged. So we cannot say that just because we are sinning in secret, that God is not going to judge. Uh, just because people are not seeing what we are sinning, uh, that it will not be judged. So in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12 and verse 14, it says, For God shall bring uh, every work uh, into judgment with every secret thing, uh, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So there are many things that we do in secret, which might be good, uh, even uh, as we read in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, to pray in secret and the Lord, Lord will remind, reward you openly. Uh, but at the same time, there are sins uh, that are committed in the secret. And the Lord says, uh, even those uh, will be brought into judgment. So just like God will reward the evil, bring justice to evil, he'll also bring justice uh, to the good work uh, that is done by elders and other believers. There are works uh, that are evident, which uh, everyone is able to see uh, what we are doing for the kingdom. But at the same time, there are lots of good things that happen uh, behind the scene. There are a lot of people who work uh, without being recognized, uh, without uh, bringing, out, bringing it out in public. But we know that God uh, watches uh, everything and he's going to bring justice or he's going to give rewards uh, even to those things that are not seen by public. So in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, for we must all appear uh, before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So we know that there is a judgment seat uh, for also for the believers, where believers uh, will be uh, uh, rewarded uh, for the good things that they have done. So it is not a judgment to see whether we will go to heaven or not, but it is a judgment seat uh, for the works and the ministry that we have done. And the rewards are given based on the quality of work. So that's where chapter five ends, where Paul mentioned uh, about how we need to interact uh, within the church uh, family. So there should be a spirit of love. Uh, there should be a spirit of respect. And in case of widows, we saw that uh, we need to give a special attention to them. Uh, because they may not have a source of income, uh, they may not have a family uh, to take care of them. Uh, if that is the case, then the church uh, should take care of the widows. And if the widows are young, then we should counsel them to get married or to work so that they can support themselves and they are not distracted uh, into the wrong things. And we talked about the uh, elders, uh, they should be treated uh, with double honor. Uh, which speaks about respect, and it also speaks about uh, taking care of their practical needs uh, if they are in such a situation. 
And we also, Paul also reminded us that elders uh, should be held accountable uh, for their sins. And that should be done in a way that will honor the Lord. And that should be based on the scriptures. And it should be based uh, on two or three witnesses. And we talked about wine, where the we should stay away from it because it would lead to uh, sins. It would lead to going away from the Lord. And even if you are taking a small sip, uh, it could lead to addiction and it will not do us any good. And finally, we closed by saying that uh, God is a just God and he will not only punish all the sins which are seen and not seen, but he will also reward all the works, uh, whether they are seen or not seen.